This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about management with a government executive who is changing the way government does business. The Business of Government Hour is produced by the IBM Center for the Business of Government, which was created in 1998 to encourage discussion and research into new approaches to improving government effectiveness. You can find out more about the center by visiting us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. And now, the Business of Government Hour. Welcome to a special edition of the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with authors. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and leadership fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. For more than two decades, the IBM Center for the Business of Government has sought to connect research to practice, engaging authors and academics who, in their research and studies, contribute in some form or fashion to changing the way government does business. Federal agencies are increasingly adopting cloud infrastructure sharing their data across agencies and with the public, and relying on open source software as they seek to enhance their capabilities, improve efficiency through IT modernization, and leverage their data for policymaking and administration. To date, these domains have been addressed and implemented separately in agencies, with little focus on how they complement one another. How do analytics and technology intersect and mutually reinforce one another? What can be done to integrate these efforts more effectively? And how can government leaders leverage the intersection of open data, open source, and hybrid cloud models to drive improved performance and productivity? Today, I will explore these questions and so much more with our very special guest, Joel Gurin, co-author of the IBM Center Report, aligning open data, open source, and hybrid cloud adoption in government, and president of the Center for Open Data Enterprise Code. Joel, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Uh, thanks. Great to be here. So, Joel, before we delve into your new report uh, for the IBM Center, aligning open data, open source, and hybrid cloud adoption in government, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the Center for Open Data Enterprise Code? And, and how did you conduct your research for this report? Sure, no, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd be happy to. So I'm the uh, president of the Center for Open Data Enterprise, also known as CODE. We're a nonprofit in Washington, D.C., uh, founded in 2015 with a mission to maximize the value of open and shared data for the public good. So we've been very focused uh, since the beginning on the ways that open data and particularly federal data can be published, shared, and applied in ways that help uh, improve uh, issues such as uh, healthcare, um, the environment, uh, transparency of federal spending, many, many other issues. And my co-author on this paper, Matt Rumsey, uh, is the uh, research and communications manager at Code as well. So we're really very passionate about open data. And what we've found as we've worked in this area over the last several years is that you ultimately can't really talk about open data 
without also talking about open source and the use of the cloud because they are so interrelated and each is really very important to the success of the others as well. So we got interested in this area uh, because there have been a number of new federal policies that relate to open data, open source and hybrid cloud adoption, which we'll talk about in a minute. And we were very interested in what could be done to really sync these up and to help align them in ways that would really maximize the benefit of all of these policies in a more integrated way. And we're very, very happy to, uh, to have the IBM Center um, interested in uh, working with us to create this report and, and publish it. Um, so to do our research, uh, we went to the sources. We talked to about two dozen people, both in individual interviews and through a roundtable that was uh, hosted and coordinated by the IBM Center for the Business and Government to really delve into uh, both their views of the federal policies themselves and the relationship uh, between them. We talked to people from industry, we talked to people from the nonprofit sector, a number of people either currently in government or recently in government, and got a lot of great perspectives that we were able to pull together and apply to writing this report. Terrific. Thanks, Joel. So, you know, you mentioned um, a couple of the policies that are out there, but before we delve into specifics, I want to get a sense of definitions and some high-level definitions for such terms as open data, open source, and cloud computing. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Sure, I'd be happy to. So open data has been defined in a number of different ways, but one way to define it is to uh, look at the way it's described in the uh, Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act or the Evidence Act. Uh, but they talk about open government data as data that's machine readable, so not just in a PDF, uh, available or potentially made available in an open format. Uh, one very important thing is that it's not encumbered by uh, restrictions other than intellectual property rights that would impede the use or reuse of the data. Uh, that whole concept of being able to reuse the data is, is really critical to open data. Um, and uh, also, generally, we talk about it uh, being released under an open license, uh, which essentially um, guarantees no, no restrictions. Ideally, open data should be available at no charge to the public, but there are some agencies that, that do charge for data. So that's, that's, I think, an ongoing kind of topic of discussion, whether or not that needs to be really core to the uh, definition. Um, open source essentially means that the source code for software uh, applications is published openly. The open source movement, of course, goes back certainly more than a decade and has now been kind of crystallized in, in federal policy that we'll talk about. And that's an area that's still uh, in evolution. And when we, when we talk about uh, the cloud, we're really talking, at least in this report, uh, primarily about hybrid cloud models, which allow uh, people and organizations to use both public cloud infrastructure and private cloud systems that operate on private networks. And we're seeing a lot of this kind of application in government and in other ways as well. It really provides a balance between security and scalability, uh, and it makes it easier 
to share data while protecting privacy and ensuring security. So as you look at the relationship of, of all three of these, open data is really about getting the information, the data out there in ways that are uh, very accessible and reusable. Open source is about making sure that the uh, software and applications that are used to manage and apply the data are able to be used widely and that they can be adapted uh, by individuals uh, in an open and free way and the hybrid cloud adoption, it's primarily a way of making the data available and computable uh, more readily than it might be otherwise while maintaining security and privacy as well. You mentioned already, Joel, the developments have been acknowledged and formalized via government-wide policy. So what policies are we talking about that are highlighted in your report that the federal cloud computing strategy, cloud strategy, the federal data strategy, the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act, the Evidence Act, as we commonly refer to it as, and the federal source code policy, source code policy for short. Um, I was wondering, in, in, in terms of continuing with definitions, could you tell us a little bit about each policy, why they are so important? important in advancing the, the adoption and use of open data, open source, and hybrid cloud models to drive improved performance and productivity, specifically in the government context? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to. So the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act, and from here on, I'll just call it the Evidence Act for obvious reasons. It saves a lot of syllables. Uh, this really has been a landmark uh, piece of legislation. I mean, the way to think about it is open data federal agencies have been supposed to release their data as open data since 2013, when the Obama administration established it as uh, an open data policy, but it has really never had the force of law until now. And the Evidence Act uh, is a huge landmark. It really makes open data the law of the land. Uh, it gives a kind of a legal structure to data management activities um, while at the same time, it strengthens privacy protections because from the beginning, open data policy has always said that essentially government data should be open by default, but obviously not in ways that cause privacy and security concerns. So figuring out how to balance those, how to manage legitimate privacy issues has been a big question. And the Evidence Act uh, addresses that. Um, the, uh, uh, the bill was, uh, was introduced in 2017 and passed by the House. It was passed by the Senate in 2018, became law in January 2019. And one of the really key things about this, I think, is that this is not... Um, this is not in any way a partisan bill like the Data Act before it, several years before, which established uh, transparency around federal spending. These, this act has had tremendous, tremendous bipartisan support. And I think it's really the fact that it's passed, that it's signed into law, really is an indication of how much unanimity there is in uh, the feeling that government data needs to be open, needs to be usable, and should be used for the public good. Um, within the Evidence Act, uh, Title II is the Open Government Data Act, and that's uh, that's the, uh, the part of uh, the act that uh, provides the definition that I was reading from before. It really lays out a path to ensure that data is machine readable, that it's high quality, um, and um, it also uh, does relate in some ways to the source code policy that we'll talk about in a minute. So that's that's really, uh, I think, of all of these, the the Evidence Act is 
the most formalized, uh, the the strongest kind of protection for the sorts of open policies and practices we're talking about here. Um, the federal data strategy, which we can just call the data strategy, um, is uh, that actually grew out of the president's management agenda in 2018, which um, established a cross-agency priority goal, a cap goal of leveraging data as a strategic asset. And actually, our organization code did a roundtable with uh, the Office of Management and Budget around that time on leveraging data as a strategic asset so that it was it, it really put out there the idea that we had to think about data and government data as a public good, not just for public interest purposes, but also for business purposes. I mean, at that roundtable, we had a number of people from industry who talked about all the ways that they used everything from GPS data and weather data, census data, and so on. So um, back in 2018, the federal data strategy really recognized the importance of making this kind of data available uh, for all kinds of public and private sector applications. Um, it also um, you know, is grounded through uh, the development of action plans. Um, there, there was one in 2020. Uh, we're waiting to see what happens in 2021. Um, but this is, this is really a, a mechanism within uh, the federal government and across agencies to, uh, to establish uh, better data practices and, and better data, data openness. So, um, so that sort of covers the data part of this. When we come to open source, uh, the real point of reference is the federal government source code policy, which was released in 2016. Um, this is a policy that specifically encourages agencies to share the code that they develop across government so that as, as they uh, as they develop uh, code for their own purposes, they're supposed to share it among other agencies. Um, they uh, It also launched a pilot effort in 2016 requiring agencies to release at least 20% of new custom developed uh, code um, as open uh, open source software uh, for three years. So this has been, um, and, and this has been, you know, open source had been uh, a kind of practice within government since 2010, but the establishment of the source code policy was the first time that agencies were really directed to embrace openness uh, in this way. So it was meant to give guidance to agencies as they thought about whether or not they should uh, acquire custom developed code as opposed to uh, working uh, perhaps with uh, code that had developed uh, within other agencies and been shared across government. Um, and uh, it also very much related to that balance between using open source solutions versus uh, proprietary solutions uh, and really pushed agencies to consider open source solutions as well and made it easier for them to release code to the public. So there's been a lot of of, of use and evolution of that uh, since uh, since 2016. And then finally, when we come to the cloud, um, our point of reference here is the uh, the cloud. Well, it's gone by it's gone by a few different names, um, but we can now call it basically the cloud computing strategy. This was published by OMB in 2019, uh, and it really focuses on security, procurement, and workforce as three key areas that drive agency adoption of cloud solutions uh, really encourages agencies to leverage the distributed nature of cloud and hybrid and even multi-cloud solutions. And we'll get into that a bit as, as we talk about how all these policies are being applied.
Well, Joel, that is really helpful, uh, chock full of information. Your report does a really nice job, I think, of of laying it out in, in really layman's terms, if you will. It, it, it It's very easy to capture how important this regime of legislation and uh, and the progress associated with each. But I was wondering, you know, with COVID being, uh, the COVID pandemic being a reality that we've been dealing with for over a year, what unique challenges does the Biden administration face related to technology modernization and data sharing brought on by uh, the pandemic? Sure. Well, I think there's there's a couple of different kinds of challenges. I mean, there's one whole there's one whole set of challenges just around how do you manage data related to COVID-19. And, you know, there was a lot of concern and some criticism of some of the government efforts around COVID-19 data early on in the pandemic. Uh, one of the first things that uh, the, the that President Biden did coming into office was to establish new approaches to COVID-19 data collection and sharing and Really looking to uh, coordinate and improve that whole process. So that's been that's been one specific example, um, but it's it's a little different, I think, from some of the kinds of broader issues we're talking about in our report and talking about here. But I think probably the single biggest you know general impact is that the pandemic has really helped to highlight the value of the cloud for data sharing and remote work, and we really found this when we talk to people through uh, the roundtable that the IBM Center held and through our own interviews. Uh, people talk, for example, about sharing uh, secure cloud access to data from the, the Census Bureau for researchers who previously had to travel to physical locations uh, to access it. Uh, so it really, I think, um, pushed some agencies that might have been reluctant for various, because of various concerns about security or just simply for kind of technology, uh, cultural reasons might have been reluctant to use the cloud. Uh, the pandemic really pushed uh, towards cloud adoption in order to make it possible to access even sensitive or restricted data sets safely through the cloud. Um, and we're seeing a real opportunity uh, to expand on some models that already exist. So for example, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services for a while have been running a virtual research data center, which essentially makes it possible for researchers to use sensitive Medicare, Medicaid data in a closed and safe environment, even in, uh, even if they um, connect with CMS remotely. Uh, there is uh, a proposal for a national secure data service that's recommended, um, that was recommended by the US Commission on Evidence-Based Policymaking that led to the Evidence Act. So I think we're seeing a lot more openness to the use of the cloud to get data out there and the realization that this does not have to mean sacrificing security. It may actually make it possible for people to work remotely as I think many people are gonna to continue to do, um, but in ways that are very productive and that allow data access in appropriate ways. You know, Joel, um, in addition to, you know, you point out in your report, the ongoing concerns around privacy and security, which are addressed in the Evidence Act and the Federal Data Strategy. I was wondering, what is the one major challenge that has emerged regarding implementation of all of these policies? Yeah, I, I think the the thing that we just we just uh, that people could not avoid talking about is the importance of resources to do all of this. Um, you know, the Evidence Act was passed, which was wonderful, but it was passed without 
a real uh, associated um, appropriation. Agencies need to fund this work from existing budgets, which really limits their ability to make the kinds of changes they needed. Every agency now has chief data officers, but those officers have really small staffs or in some cases are just working on their own. Uh, so it makes it difficult for them to really be the kinds of change agents that they're meant to be. So we really do see uh, a need to uh, to provide better resources, not just for the Evidence Act and federal data strategy, but also uh, ultimately to leverage that kind of effort to make progress on open source and cloud priorities as well. What are the benefits of pursuing a hybrid cloud approach? We will explore this question and so much more when the special edition of the Business of Government Hour, A Conversation with Authors, returns. To support government financial performance and accountability, financial systems must meet certain standards, and relying on outdated financial systems inhibits progress. ERP vendors are encouraging clients to move to the cloud and consider new technologies such as robotic process automation, blockchain, and AI to enhance financial productivity. Download the IBM Center Report, Financial Management for the Future, at businessofgovernment.org to learn why and how government can evolve to meet the demands of a digital world. The Ebola crisis in West Africa from 2014 to 2016 was an epidemic that put emphasis on global capacity to respond to international disasters. How can government better assess the needs of those affected and help them? The IBM Center Report, Responding to Global Health Crisis by Professor Jennifer Widner, breaks down the U.S. response to the Ebola crisis and provides insights on lessons learned that may aid the government responses in the future. Download your free copy, Responding to Global Health Crisis, at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to a special edition of the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with authors exploring ideas for improving government effectiveness with Joel Gurren, president of the Center for Open Data Enterprise Code and co-author of the IBM Center Report, Aligning Open Data, Open Source, and Hybrid Cloud Adoption in Government. So Joel, now switch, switching gears a little bit and delving deeper into um, some of the policies, some of the things that are happening, I'd like to talk about the launch of this uh, source code policy in 2016. And what is unique about this policy? And, and can you outline, maybe give us a high-level outline of some of its objectives? Sure. Well, the objectives, the overall objectives of the source code policy really were to encourage agencies to look to open source solutions and also to guide agencies as they do that. Um, so uh, it it really um, was meant, uh, and it has uh, it has as its objectives to ensure that uh, uh, agencies have the right kind of governance structures and the right kind of control over custom code, um, whether they choose to procure the code in a in a kind of a proprietary way or or whether they develop it themselves, how and when to share code in an open source way. It makes it easier, really in many ways kind of gives agencies permission to go for open source solutions and to share those solutions. And it it gives them a kind of decision-making process for, you know, when do you want to procure proprietary code that is not gonna be shareable? 
versus when do you want to go for open source solutions. So it really lays out a kind of a process that, that agencies can use to, to make those important decisions. It also uh, shares government, uh, sorry, governance approaches with some of the open data policies. Uh, so uh, including uh, just as there are data inventories required under the open data policies, the source code policy requires agencies to inventory uh, how the, the kinds of custom developed code that they have created and uh, determining whether or not uh, it can uh, it can be shared and how it can be shared. What we're also seeing though, so so a lot of this is about you know how the code that agencies develop can be shared in ways that help other agencies and help the public. But there's also, I think, increasingly examples of agencies turning to open source solutions to develop code in the first place. One of the best examples is data.gov, which is the government's uh, huge repository of all kinds of open data sets uh, and really a portal for accessing those data sets. Data.gov was using uh, CCAN, stands for the Comprehensive Knowledge Archive Network, uh, which is a real leading uh, open source uh, project. And the developers of data.gov felt that this would really be the best kind of platform for open data and data sharing and has enabled them to develop data.gov in an efficient and open way. So I think we're going to see not only um, more and more efforts by, uh, by agencies to share the code they develop, but also to develop that code in the first place using open source solutions. You know, Joel, I was wondering about the you know, shifting to cloud computing. What is the most relevant model for federal government applications? And I think you alluded to it earlier, it's hybrid cloud uh, approach. What are the benefits of going in that direction for agencies? Sure. Well, the be- the benefits of of going uh, towards hybrid cloud solutions really have to do with um, how do you, how do you get the benefits both of public and of private solutions. So we've seen. I mean, just to talk for a minute about some of the private solutions for uh, for cloud adoption. I mean, we're we're seeing a number of cases now where. Uh, where federal agencies are working collaboratively with private companies to get their data in the cloud and make it more uh, make it more accessible, um, it has been it has been slow. I mean, the, the GAO recently uh, did a report that showed that even though we've been working on this for about a decade, only a fraction of federal IT systems. Uh, run in the cloud, and there's been a number of, of issues, including you know security, privacy, capacity within agencies, and and so on. Um, and there are some uh, some issues with uh, with FedRAMP uh, as well, which you know is a standardized approach to security authorization for cloud service offerings. But I think uh, because of some of these issues and some of these concerns about broad cloud adoption and how do you uh, manage that in, in the real world, uh, a hybrid approach that combines uh, some of the private sector uh, together with public cloud um, applications uh, seems to be a good way of, of managing those concerns and providing some flexibility that agencies are finding helpful. The other side of that question, oh. Joel is like many agencies have begun to move from legacy systems to the cloud, to a cloud solution, but several challenges, and you may have alluded to them, have kind of impeded that progress. 
perhaps you can elaborate on those. Yeah. Well, I think one of the one of the things that uh, that we find um, find the most is that many agencies will have multiple cloud solutions. And there's a lot of, I don't know if you would call it reinventing the wheel or uh, just kind of a lack of common solutions, but, but we do see agencies uh, uh, kind of uh, developing some of, some of their own solutions um, in a siloed uh, kind of way. So there hasn't been as much opportunity for collaborative information sharing and solution development as uh, there could be. Uh, we did hear from the people we interviewed and people at the roundtable talked about how important it is to get the chief data officers involved in these uh, decisions, uh, largely because the chief data officer council uh, really provides that kind of information sharing um, the possi- uh, you know, forum. Um, the chief information officers council also, the CIO council, uh, is, is another way to do this. Um, because, uh, you know, what we're finding is that without better coordination, both within agencies and information sharing across agencies, we're really seeing a lot of uh, expensive cloud systems and missed opportunities uh, different programs within an agency may make cloud decisions independently. So uh, most agencies, people told us, have contracts with all the major cloud service providers, but they don't really have a cloud strategy at an enterprise level. So that's a challenge. Uh, the fact that uh, a lot of uh, tech uh, personnel within agencies don't have real familiarity and real expertise with cloud solutions. Um, all, all of these are, are challenges. Uh, and as I mentioned before, uh, FedRAMP requirements uh, are, are another issue that, that agencies have to deal with. Uh, cloud.gov is now available as a government managed platform that's intended to uh, help agencies buy, build and authorize cloud services intended to help with FedRAMP compliance issues. But in our interviews, we found that uh, a lot of the people we talked to felt that cloud.gov may not be yet delivering the value that it could or yet being used as widely as it could. So I I think we're definitely seeing an awareness of these challenges and an awareness uh, of need for more kind of high-level strategies, both within agencies and across agencies but it still seems to be a work in progress. How do analytics and technology intersect and reinforce one another? We'll explore this question and so much more when our special edition of the Business of Government Hour, A Conversation with Authors, returns. How does an agency decide upon and implement a performance management framework that will be successful for their specific administration? The IBM Center Report, a practitioner's framework for measuring results, follows the implementation and results of the CSTAT management framework in Colorado's Department of Homeland Security in hopes that it can guide others who may want to institute a similar approach. Download a practitioner's framework for measuring results by Melissa Wavelet on businessofgovernment.org today. Agile methodology has allowed for agencies to keep up with the growing demands for fast response to problem solving. The Opportunity Project, TOP, serves as a catalyst in adapting agile techniques to solve complex agency mission problems. TOP works with federal agencies to identify challenges and facilitate iterative approaches in response. In the IBM Center Report, Agile Problem Solving in Government, 
Joel Gurin, and Katerina Ribello discuss the factors of success involved in TOP. Download your free copy today at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to a special edition of the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with authors exploring ideas for improving government effectiveness with Joel Gurin, president of the Center for Open Data Enterprise Code and co-author of the IBM Center Report, aligning open data, open source, and hybrid cloud adoption in government. I want to move on to the common issues theme in your report. And, you know, you point out that the cloud strategy, the Federal Data Strategy Evidence Act, and the source code policy approach, their goals were using different methods. And, you, and, and However, the challenges are similar, including security, privacy, and more. But perhaps for our audience, you can sort of introduce some of the common issues across these federal policies that they have to deal with. Sure, I'd be happy to. And and as you know, a lot of our report really focused on trying to do kind of a crosswalk between these policies and seeing where they're already using similar approaches and where there might be better coordination. Um, Security and privacy, which of course are closely linked, although not quite the same thing, but security and privacy are are really paramount. Uh, they all the policies, uh, the the two, you know, the the Evidence Act, the Federal Data Strategy, Source Code Policy cloud policy, security and privacy cut across all of those, uh, particularly looking at data security and integrity to manage risk. But, and we've seen this code uh, has, uh, our organization has done a lot of work with health and human services. Uh, The reason this is becoming so important, and I I think, again, this is something that COVID has raised awareness of, is that there is a tremendous value in being able to link data to use anonymized health data, for example. So it's not like the solution can simply be that anything that has any risk of a privacy breach is just simply kept under lock and key. Uh, So this whole question of how to balance risk with benefit and security and privacy is a really important one. Uh, Governance, uh, whether it's governance of source code, cloud uses, or, uh, or data cuts across these different areas. Workforce, as I was just mentioning around the cloud, uh, every agency, agencies vary tremendously in their capacity to implement uh, some of these policies and the question of how to deal with that is a cross-cutting issue. Uh, Procurement, all of these policies pay at least some attention to procurement. As I mentioned before, the source code policy has a whole kind of decision-making plan for how agencies can decide how to consider open source in their decisions. Uh, the cloud strategy has some uh, similar kinds of help for agencies in uh, cloud cloud adoption as well. Uh, the use in decision-making is particularly important to both the Evidence Act and the Federal Data Strategy, really a focus on how data can be used in decision-making. But the cloud strategy also uh, addresses the potential for cloud computing to be a, an important decision-making tool. Um, all the policies talk about the need for better interagency collaboration. Uh, the Evidence Act data strategy and source code policy all talk about the importance of standards, both for data quality, data access, and also for open source software. And all of the policies basically acknowledge that data is a public resource. The ways that it's used and made available are of public interest. And they talk about public value as a major value in in all of their work. So we found a lot of 
cross-cutting themes, I guess I would say, uh, across all of these policies. So, Joel, would it be interesting, because I thought it was, if we take a few of these at least, and really delve into them. And and the first one that came up to me, as you pointed out, security and privacy aren't the same, but they're very interwoven and, and sort of dovetail. So I was wondering if you could talk about some of the issues around uh, addressing security first. Sure. So security is, we we addressed it first because I think it's maybe the one that is of most concern. So when you look at the Evidence Act and the federal data strategy, of course, there's a lot of concern about data privacy, particularly when you have data that at least originally contains personally identifiable information. How do you anonymize that and so on? The Evidence Act uh, requires agencies to make this a primary consideration and also talks about uh, concerns like the mosaic effect, you know, the fact that if you have different uh, uh, different sources of data about an individual or an organization and you can put them together like a mosaic, you may be able to re-identify, which is something that's become more and more of a concern as machine learning makes that more and more possible. So the Evidence Act bakes in a requirement for agencies to think about this, and the federal data strategy really follows suit by, uh, by talking about uh, security uh, and privacy protecting best par- uh, practices. I mean, they really talk about security and privacy as a package. Uh, cloud, the cloud strategy um, requires security and privacy controls uh, to the data layer and network and physical infrastructure layers. So they really address because, of course, once you put data in the cloud, there's a concern about it being more uh, hackable in different ways. And the source code policy uh, says that agencies have to consider security and privacy when they select software solutions. And I think we think this is really one of the kinds of concerns that has actually made a lot of agencies hesitant to go to open source. Um, the federal source code policy says that you can address these issues, but you have to address them. That's great. That's a good summary. You know, I'd like to jump to uh, another area, uh, and that you know is around the uh, governance aspect. And these policies require processes and procedures for implementation. You point that out. But how has each policy sort of outlined its governance priorities? Sure. So um, govern- the, the policies actually go into a fair amount of, of detail around governance. Um, so again, uh, we referred to uh, some of the um, some of the requirements of uh, the Evidence Act. Uh, interestingly, in addition to some of the requirements around data inventories and so on, the Evidence Act actually gives permission. It reduces some of the limits, for instance, on interagency data sharing, uh, the uh, processes for accessing restricted data. Um, a lot of this actually has be, become somewhat easier under the Evidence Act, so it, it kind of gives agencies permission uh, to, to share more uh, data, more than they might have otherwise. Uh, the federal data strategy, um, they talk about uh, governance in ways that really um, prioritize just putting structures in place, uh, basically saying there there must be strong governance of data, uh, that agencies have to manage it in a lot of the ways that are specialized, uh, specified rather in the Evidence Act. And they also have a couple of provisions, including one that our organization is particularly uh, focused on, which is the need to gather and incorporate stakeholder input, that you've got to get data users telling the agency what 
what they want and how their data is working for them. Cloud strategy um, requires, uh, has a lot of requirements for how agencies are to develop agreements with providers around the access and use of data through the cloud. Uh, and um, the source code policy uh, in a similar way uh, encourages um, encourages agency leaders uh, not just uh, not just uh, to develop agreements, but really to identify and collaborate with open source communities. So they really uh, they really are seeing the potential for tapping into the larger open source movement in a way that can be beneficial to government and that can be beneficial to the public using. Uh, code developed by government agencies. So, Joel, ensuring that the federal workforce can operate and use the cloud and open data is as important as the new technologies and approaches themselves. And, and I was wondering, how do these policies address the technical skills gaps and seek to build a modern federal workforce? Yeah, well, I think the policies don't have a magic solution. Uh, and again, this does come back to the question of resources, which we see as, as a core need across, across all of this. Um, but they do acknowledge and highlight the challenge, right? So in the Evidence Act, uh, for example, we see that they're, they're simply requiring agencies to assess what is their capacity, what can their workforce do, um, how do they uh, really analyze where they need better skills and competencies than they have now. And the federal data strategy goes a little bit beyond it actually talks about promoting learning cultures, ongoing investment in human resources, investing in training tools and communities. So again, I think with the caveat about resources, the agencies really are encouraged to prioritize this kind of training, which will pay off in, in the long run. The uh, cloud computing uh, strategy um, also talks about uh, skills gap analysis and assessment and actually talks specifically about uh, some of the uh, agency personnel who might undertake an assessment like that, like chief information officers or chief human capital officers. And the federal source code policy uh, basically says, um, encourages agencies to strengthen than their capacity to work with open source solutions, um, which is kind of general, but I think just simply the fact that this is recognized as a priority is significant across all these policies. Very important. And I was wondering, you know, just jumping ahead a little bit, um, to do most of this stuff, you're going to need collaboration. What what is the what do these policies say about collaboration and 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 emphasizing interagency collaboration? Um, they say it's a good thing, <laughs> but uh, they go beyond saying it's a good thing, and really, they really have some requirements uh, in there to to really push for interagency collaboration. Uh, so the the Evidence Act uh, uh, really, as 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 I said before, it makes it easier for agencies to share data. Um, it also actually requires OMB to consolidate the agency reports that are required on their data policies and progress into a unified report to really look across government at how this is all working. Um, the federal data strategy talks about connecting data functions across agencies through communities of practice. And again, I think the Chief Data Officers Council is, is maybe really the best embodiment of this uh, so far. Um, the source code policy just generally encourages uh, solution sharing across agencies, which is really kind of in the nature of open source solutions. And the cloud strategy uh, also uh, talks about 
about um, developing, uh, they're, they're talking not just about sort of shared practices, but they talk specifically about developing common authority to operate agreements and standardizing uh, cloud service level agreements uh, so that you could really get more sort of shared solutions among agencies uh, and, and more collaboration around figuring out how to develop cloud solutions that are really going to work. You know, the last part of the common issues uh, that I want to touch on, Joel, before we get into the real crux of the recommendations and spend some time there is, you know, uh, the how do the policies address the use of standards and, and the critical importance of promoting the principles of public value and access? Sure. Well, standards, um, the, the cloud strategy does not really address it. The source, uh, source code policy uh, talks about considering utilizing open standards for better interoperability. So they, they touch on it, but where you really see standards as a major focus is in the Evidence Act and some, to some degree, the federal data strategy. The federal data strategy does require agencies to adopt, adapt, or create data standards. Uh, I mean, the, the single, probably the single biggest issue we come across in our work with federal agencies at code is the lack of interoperability among different kinds of data sets and the need for standardization. But the Evidence Act really, really goes, goes further. It talks about, it directs this, the Chief Data Officer Council to promote standardization of data. It uh, is requires development of a repository for tools, best practices, and schema standards to facilitate open data access. And it actually builds it into the definition. I mean, the Evidence Act actually defines open government data in part as data that is based on an underlying open standard that is maintained by a standards organization, which is actually not part of the common standard definition of open data. So I think just by building that in, the Evidence Act really is making a statement that standardization is, is critical. And it is, of course, very difficult. Uh, but I think it's increasingly recognized that this is a path that's going to be very important to make uh, open data as useful as it can possibly be. How can government leaders leverage the intersection of open data, open source, and hybrid cloud models to drive improved performance and productivity? We'll explore this question and so much more when our special edition of the Business of Government Hour, A Conversation with Authors, returns. How can government best use big data to transform decision-making, public services delivery, and communication? The IBM Center Report, Integrating Big Data and Thick Data to Transform Public Services Delivery by Yan Yan Ang presents five recommendations for public managers introducing the concept of mixed analytics, urging thick data, meaning qualitative information about users, to be presented alongside big data to improve government decision-making. Visit businessofgovernment.org to read more. Welcome back to a special edition of the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with authors, exploring ideas for improving government effectiveness with Joel Gurren, president of the Center for Open Data Enterprise Code and co-author of the IBM Center Report, aligning open data, open source, and hybrid cloud adoption in government. So Joel, your report talks about the intersection of cloud and open data and cloud and open source. So I was wondering if you could share with us the importance of this intersection and perhaps offer us some examples of where you're seeing the intersection of cloud and open data or cloud and open source. Sure. 
we looked in our report at how cloud relates to open data, how um, open data relates to open source, how cloud relates to open source. And I think the short form, as you wouldn't be surprised to hear, is that they really are are closely interrelated. I think cloud and open data, I think the, the major point here is that the cloud is becoming more and more almost an essential vehicle for open data, particularly when we're talking about big data and very large data sets uh, that have to be computable in the cloud. So we're seeing much, much more of a kind of intersection there. Uh, cloud and open source, uh, in many ways, open source can help increase agency flexibility around cloud solutions and open source and open data. Again, open source in many ways can be kind of a uh, facilitator for, for open data in a number of ways that we talk about in the report. And one that I mentioned earlier is just simply the use of open source to develop data.gov, which is the kind of core open data repository for the federal government. So, so we're seeing these, you know, not only are there similarities among the policies and the ways that we just reviewed, but we're seeing some real intersections where they facilitate the principles of cloud adoption, open source, and open data really uh, enhance each other in some very specific ways. That's great. So one of the things your report does, Joel, is offer some really salient recommendations. And, and I'd like for you to take some time to talk about the high-level recommendations for operating principles. What are they? Sure. So this is really based, again, on what we heard from about two dozen real experts uh, in, who relate to these issues in different ways, from in government and outside of government. And we boiled it down to five, and these really are quite high, quite high level, but we think they're very important operating principles. The first is to maintain flexibility. There are not going to be one-size-fits-all approaches uh, to solve all of these. Agencies are very different in their needs and their capacities in, in the content of, of what they do. So at the same time that there's a real emphasis on information sharing and best practices, there also has to be a recognition that agencies are different and that they maintain flexibility in how they implement Second one is sharing success stories. We think there could be tremendous value in agencies sharing much more uh, information about the solutions that they've found for open source, open data, and cloud adoption. Uh, and I think there's a lot of progress that could be made rapidly in that kind of way. Building the workforce, we talked about a lot. Um, but we think that uh, there really could be some specific things to be done uh, to encourage training or reskilling efforts for current employees, uh, even something like adding a data science job series to the uh, general schedule classification and pay system could be could be helpful. So, you know, beyond saying, as these policies already do, that you need to train and improve your workforce, more steps uh, to be taken to really facilitate how that can be done building the workforce is, is a major recommendation. Fourth is applying user-driven approaches. Um, I mentioned uh, some of the work that our organization has done in really trying to facilitate feedback from data users to data providers uh, in similar kinds of ways, customer orientation towards how is this you know, software solution working? How is this cloud service, uh, uh, cloud adoption uh, approach to federal data working? Uh, we think there really have to be very, very robust uh, feedback loops and also user-driven approaches from the very beginning, if possible. And then finally, the fifth one, which we've also touched on is learning from 
from the pandemic um, that I, I think, you know, cloud adoption uh, clearly is critical as we are likely to stay uh, in an air in a situation that that includes continued remote work. And I think also just on the issue of data itself, um, everything that we've learned from the pandemic about the need to share scientific data and ways to share, in some cases, sensitive health data, but for the public good, there's a lot of lessons to be learned there that we think should be baked into ongoing uh, operating principles. You know, Joel, going from the operating principles to, you know, recommended actions, perhaps you could highlight some of the key recommended actions you outline in your report that the current administration can pursue. Yes, um, we go into a, a lot of detail here, and I, I would I would encourage uh, and hope people to read the report itself because because we do think these these recommendations are important. Um, but I'll just go through each of them briefly. Uh, first is to fund the implementation of the Evidence Act. As I mentioned before, the act was passed really without appropriations. Resources are a critical need. Uh, we think this uh, this funding uh, is is necessary. Uh, the Data Coalition, one of one, our co our colleagues in the, the nonprofit data world, have called for two million dollars for each uh, CFO Act agency, uh, and we we do think that uh, whether it's that order of magnitude or something similar, funding is essential here. Um, we've talked about building the workforce. We recommend leveraging and building on the Talent Act, the Tested Ability to Leverage Exceptional National Talent Act that was signed into law by President Obama to build a data literate and cloud literate workforce. Um, we think there's third, third recommendation. We think there's uh, an interesting opportunity to provide vouchers for researchers, nonprofits, and others to use cloud resources for research analysis and policy making. Uh, and we, we've seen some, um, some moves in this direction, uh, for example, by, uh, by the NIH uh, that we think are very promising and really could help uh, improve uh, cloud adoption and utilization. Fourth recommendation is to update the source code policy uh, to encourage government use of existing robust open source products and further engagement with the open source communities, even though open source community engagement is, is part of the policy, but the policy is largely focused on agencies um, producing their own code in ways that can then be shared with other agencies and even with the public in an open source basis. We think there may be a lot of opportunities to use existing open source solutions that could be explored more. Next recommendation, uh, is to update the key federal data policies to better align them and fill some some gaps. Uh, so uh, you know the all all of these all of these policies, uh, as as we've said, um, really could be could be better aligned. Even though they do tend to uh, to focus on on some similar la uh, areas already, um, we think there's an opportunity in the data the data part of this to leverage agency data inventories to understand agency data systems better. The Evidence Act requires data inventories. We think that these are useful not only in showing the data is there, but as a tool to understanding how the whole system is working. And then finally, we think it may be very valuable based on our experience to develop a plain language toolkit to explain how these policies intersect, what they mean for agencies and how to implement them in ways that really build strength across these three areas of data, open source, and cloud adoption. 
That's wonderful distillation there, uh, Joel. The, the recommendations you outlined um, could help promote and coordinate progress on open source, open data, and cloud adoption. However, you do point out in your IBS, IBM Center report the progress on these recommendations required a unified approach that covers three areas. Before we close our conversation today, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about these areas. Sure. So we really came down to three big areas that people talk to us about again and again, resources, leadership, and policy alignment. So resources, I know I've touched on many times, but it's just very simple. Without the resources to do all these good things, agencies won't be able to, to do it. Uh, we think particularly uh, small agencies may lack technical capacity uh, uh, you know, and and uh, where so so they may need resources because even though they're small, and they don't have massive data systems, they don't have technical capacity. Large agencies may have more capacity, but may also have more complex data. So there there really needs to be an allocation of resources that's going to be sufficient for each agency to meet its needs. Uh, leadership, uh, changing leadership is. Um, you know, is 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 always a challenge. I think one of the great things about all of these open policies is that they have had bipartisan support. We saw a lot of continuity between the Obama and the Trump administrations. We're seeing good continuity now between the Trump and the Biden administrations. But I think the important point is that we really can't take this for granted. Uh, that there has to be a real a real focus and an effort on uh, continued leadership. Of, within agencies and across agencies, because all of these policies will take a while to further develop and to implement. And then finally, policy alignment. Um, all of these uh, policies, while they're all moving in great directions, they've moved on separate tracks. And one of the main lessons, I think, from our analysis is that they are covering similar territory. They all need to be complementary to each other because these three areas all relate to each other. And we think that there really can and should be uh, a government effort to look strategically across all of these policies and figure out where we can have better alignment around some of these key issues like security, privacy, governance, and the other ones we've talked about. And we think that with that kind of policy alignment, there's a real opportunity to take what are already very promising policies and just get um, uh, a synergy between them in a way that's going to lead to even better outcomes. So, Joel, thanks for joining us today. This has been a robust conversation. Uh, would you tell us how folks can get a copy of your report? The one, the one thing I would I would just uh, encourage people is, of course, to, to read the report uh, at the IBM Center. And uh, uh, we always welcome uh, interest and opportunities for collaboration on our own work. We're the Center for Open Data Enterprise at www.odenterprise.org, one word. Uh, and we encourage people to uh, contact us about our work with, with any questions or ideas you might have. This has been a special edition of the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with authors, exploring ideas for improving government effectiveness with Joel Gurin, co-author of the IBM Center Report, aligning open data, open source, and hybrid cloud adoption in government, and the president of the Center for Open Data Enterprise Code. You can download this and all Senate reports at businessofgovernment.org. Be sure to join us next week for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government and its effectiveness. Until then, subscribe, download, and listen to the entire interview at Podcast One, iTunes, 
or on your favorite podcast app. And as always at businessofgovernment.org. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Business of Government Hour. Be sure to visit us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. There you can learn more about our programs and get a transcript of today's conversation. Until next week, it's businessofgovernment.org.